Chapter Nine of The Lone Ranger Rides. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Lone Ranger Rides by Fran Stryker. Chapter Nine. Bryant talks. The wounded man in the cave sat with his back propped against the rocky wall, fully conscious and aware of his surroundings. For the first time in nearly forty-eight hours he was able to think clearly. Beside him there was a health-giving broth, and a sort of biscuit made by Tonto. The food was calculated to make rich blood and new strength in the shortest possible time. The Texan had slept fitfully during the day, sipping the broth and nibbling food each time he wakened. Now, feeling well-rested, he tried to piece the events of the past two days together. Most of the time was vague to him. He remembered that it had been night when he'd crawled, wounded, to the ledge after seeing Silver desert him. Morning light revealed the cave into which he had crept with his torment of pain. Tonto must have found him then, though he could recollect nothing of the Indians bandaging his shoulder. Most of that day, yesterday, he'd slept. Then, at sunset, Tonto had returned with food and herbs to dress his injuries. He couldn't remember much of what happened after that, but there were faint recollections of the Indian's crude but nonetheless effective surgery, followed by applications of various sorts. Tonto had been with him all night plying the skill of the Indian in combating illness. He remembered trying to ask Tonto what had become of Silver, but the Indian had said something about waiting till he was stronger before talking. Then Tonto had left and the wounded man had slept. Now, at sunset, the Indian was due to return. The Texan examined the food near him and wondered where it came from. It wasn't wild turkey that might have been shot by Tonto, neither was it game that might have been found in the woods. Tonto must have friends close by who supplied that food. A little while ago the ranger had heard sounds that might have been shots, but they were far away. He couldn't yet have implicit faith in all his senses. Now he heard what he thought might be hoofbeats but again he wasn't sure. He waited, and the sound came nearer. In a moment more there could be no doubt about the rhythmic tattoo on the rocks in the gap. Horses, two at least, came close and stopped. A moment later Tonto entered the cave. The Indian looked gratified when he saw that color had returned to the face of the Texan. He examined the wounded shoulder critically, and announced that the infection had gone down considerably and that now there was no longer any doubt about the ranger's full recovery. "'Me leave camp on mountain,' the Indian explained. "'Fetch em silver here.' "'Silver?' "'That right. Him plenty safe here for time.' The Indian explained how huge rocks near the wall of the gap made a satisfactory hiding place for both the ranger's white stallion and his own paint horse. "'Where was your camp, Tonto?' Tonto told him about the clearing on the side of Thunder Mountain 
and the trail that led from the clearing downhill to the basin and uphill to the mountain's top. From the top of the mountain it was possible, despite all rumors to the contrary, to ride in many directions. "'Then the basin can be entered without going through this canyon?' Tonto nodded. "'I've always been told that was impossible.' "'It not impossible. You see, by and by. Get rest first. Get well. Then we ride.' The wounded man was eager to leave the cave and start upon a campaign of vengeance in behalf of his fallen comrades but when he tried to rise, Tonto pressed him back to his seat. "'You wait,' he said. "'You not ready yet.' The effort made the ranger quite aware that he was still weaker than he had supposed. While Tonto rebuilt a tiny smokeless fire of very dry bits of wood and prepared a new supply of hot food, he told how, the day before, he had ridden down the gap to the spot where the massacre had taken place, and then heard shooting far beyond. He had risked discovery by going as far as the entrance of the basin. From there he could see the activity around the house. He saw Mort's body carried to the big ranch house, and a little later saw the girl, Penelope, take the children to the same rambling structure. Then the body of Rebecca had been taken there. He told all this in his jerky, stilted manner, while he put things on the fire to cook and then redressed the ranger's wounds. "'You need plenty more rest,' Tonto told the convalescent man. "'We talk more by and by.' "'But, Tonto, tell me more about what you've seen.' Did you find or see anything of my guns and cartridge belt? Talk more after you strong. Have you any idea who ambushed us? Me got plenty scheme, the Indian said. Talk by and by. It was you who called Silver away from me. I remember your nightbird's call. Why did you do that? Tonto refused to give the Texan any satisfaction. He explained that he had several things that needed doing outside the cave, and that he was in something of a hurry to get away. He further impressed the wounded man with the importance of rest, then more rest, to give the healing broken flesh a chance to mend beyond the danger of tearing open anew. The freshly made broth was steaming hot and tasted good. When he finished drinking it, the ranger felt drowsiness creeping over him again, despite all of his recent sleep. The effort of even so short a talk with Tonto seemed to have tired him. He felt strangely secure now that his Indian friend was with him. The sleep he needed now was natural sleep, without the nightmares of the pain and fever. Tonto watched the white man for some time and marked the regularity with which the sleeping man's chest rose and fell. A trace of a smile showed on the thin lips. "'Plenty rest,' the Indian murmured. "'Him need plenty rest for things to come.' Perhaps Tonto knew that he was being prophetic. 
he remained in the cave till after darkness had fallen then he proceeded on a grim mission taking with him a spade tonto knew from a previous study of the ground near the scene of the massacre that no one from the basin had ridden past the dead men lying there now in the darkness he continued through the gap until he reached the point where it opened into bryant's basin he waited there watching the distant buildings for signs of activity he wanted to make sure his work of the night could be followed through without interruption he saw the ranch house brilliantly lighted and nearby the long row of lighted windows that marked the bunkhouse the dead men weren't far from the entrance of the gap it was less than a quarter of an hour's walk on foot less than that if a man were mounted tonto knew his plans would occupy most of the night and he must not be found at work he gathered huge armfuls of dry stalks and dead shrubbery and spread them over the earth anyone entering the gap would certainly snap a warning that would be heard by tonto then the indian shouldering his spade turned his back on bryant's basin and the lighted house and went to the dead men inside the ranch house penelope sank exhausted into a chair before the fireplace her uncle sullen and morose looked up at the girl get the kids to bed he asked penny nodded we've got to find someone to care for them uncle bryant some older woman who will come here i already arranged for that you have wally spends most of his time in town so i figured he'd know more about things there i told him to hire a woman that'll come here and raise the youngsters wally penny couldn't conceal the contempt in her voice i know he's not good for much the damn overdressed lout but he knows everyone in town from his tomcatin' around he said he could find someone to take care of the kids penny stretched her legs toward the fire and slouched back in the chair the day had been a most strenuous one beginning with the surprising visit of rebecca to her room then there had been the ride up thunder mountain the meeting with tonto and the subsequent return with food for the indian's friend these incidents had been made to seem distant despite the hours by the shooting of rebecca and mort and the endless details that had to be attended to because of them with jeb's bandaging mort's wound while vince barked instructions there had been countless last rites that had to be performed for becky the dead woman reposed in one of the big house's bedrooms, where she would be until the burial. Penny watched the dancing flames for several minutes. There were so many things she wanted to discuss that she hardly knew where to begin. Bryant was a hard man, at best, to talk to. The wrong thing spoken, and he'd go into one of his tantrums, or retire to a shell of stubborn silence that would tell her nothing jeb said you were the one who shot at mort the girl began bryant nodded i sensed things boiling up between him and rebecca for a long time 
I didn't figure he'd go as far as killin' his wife, or I'd have done something before now. I heard the shot he fired and hoped it had gone wild. That's why I shot to wound him. Then you didn't intend to kill him? Course not, snapped Bryant quickly. Shot to wing him, just like I'd done. You savvy that? I hit right where I aimed. The old man leaned forward in his chair as he spoke, making a very definite point of what he said. Penelope nodded. But now that Mort is going to recover, he'll of course be punished for murder, won't he? Bryant's eyes stared hard at the girl. Who told you, he barked, to ask that? Penny was surprised at his intensity. Why, why, she stammered, no one asked me to. You sure of that? Of course. You sure it wasn't that cowhand called Yuma that put you up to finding out what my intentions was regarding Mort? I haven't talked with Yuma since he carried Mort here to the house. Bryant leaned back, eyes squinting toward the fire, lips pursed in thought. Penny tried to study her uncle's eyes. Was it true that they were failing? If so, how could he have fired with such amazing accuracy? She remembered what Jeb had said just after the shooting. Men with eyes that ain't no good can't shoot a rifle. Bryant Cavendish was grumbling in an undertone. Run this place all my life. Built her up from nothing to one of the best ranches in Texas. Now I can't turn without being told how to run my own affairs by every saddle tramp that drifts in here for work. Why did you mention Yuma? asked Penny. I had a row with that upstart this afternoon. Oh, Penny lifted her eyebrows questioningly. You did? As if I didn't know what's going on on my own property. Why, that pipsqueak from Arizona tried to tell me that I was hiring outlaws. I told him to mind his own damn business, and when I wanted advice from him, I'd ask him for it. Penny calculated that the argument must have been previous to her talk with Yuma, because Bryant and the blonde cowhand had had no chance to talk after the shooting, which came almost immediately following her discussion at the corral. This, then, could not have been the cause of the strange change in Yuma's manner. Yuma had been almost antagonistic when she had met him beside Mort's fallen body. "'But, Uncle Bryant,' said Penny seriously, "'are you sure you haven't any outlaws working here? You might not know them, you see, and Yuma having been outside the basin until just recently—' "'That'll do.' snapped the old man. I'll run this ranch without help. Uncle Bryant, don't bite my head off. I'm just curious. What are you going to do about Mort? I aim to think the situation over. Speak to him when he can talk, and then make up my mind. You can tell that Yuma critter that, if you're a mind to. I know what he thinks. 
He thinks I'm running a regular outlaw hideout here, and thinks I'm going to let Mort get away with murdering his wife. He'll be waiting to see what I'd do. Well, he can wait. The subject was on thin ice. Penny knew it would take but little to throw her uncle into a violent rage, but there were things she must have him answer. In her very best manner, she leaned close to the old man. "'Uncle Bryant,' she said softly, "'are you sure you can trust Vince and Mort with the authority you give them?' "'No,' was the surprising reply. "'I know damn well I can't trust them, but I've got to. I can't get around myself, and I won't hire bosses from outside to boss my own flesh and blood. I've got to let them worthless louts run things.' "'I mean,' said Penny. Then she stopped. She was at a loss to know just how to put the question that was foremost in her mind. She felt instinctively that Bryant was honest. She'd known her uncle many years, and had yet to find him engaged in anything that was otherwise. She stared into the fire for some time. Stern, bitter, unbending as the old man was, he had been fair to Penny. Bryant himself was the first to speak. He seemed to be voicing mental ills that had troubled him for some time. "'What choice have I got?' he said, as if thinking aloud. "'I know them four nephews ain't worth a damn. If I could, I'd swap the four of them for a jackass.' He turned to face Penelope. Vince has a nature that'd poison a rattler that was fool enough to bite him. Wally ain't worth thinking about. Does nothing but spend all he gets on clothes that scare the hussy rides. Goes around with his hair all mutton tallowed down and a face that's pasty as a fish's belly. Jeb ain't worth the powder to blow him to hell. He ain't the energy even to keep his face washed. Then take... Bryant spat into the fire. Mort! At the mention of the last name, the old man's disgust started at the corners of his mouth and finished by drawing the whole mouth out of shape. Well, he's finished with murdering his wife. I hated it when he brought a wife here, Penny. It wasn't that I disliked Rebecca. I never got to know her. It would have been the same with any wife Mort brought here. I know what a worthless pack them men are, and it was seeing the Cavendish line propagated that riled me. Penny had never heard her uncle speak in this way. It almost seemed as if he were bearing the secrets of his soul. Now Becky is dead, he said with resignation. We'll see that she's buried proper and take care of the kids. Nothing more to do. Bryant pushed himself from his chair and caught hold of the mantel over the fireplace. He leaned partly against it while he fumbled for his pipe and tobacco. While he filled the pipe and tamped the fragrant weed down with a thumb, the old man went on speaking. I know what folks think about me, Penny, he said because i've fought hard and got rich and minded my own business they're all quick to call me all kinds of a crook 
Bryant lighted the pipe and sank back into his chair. His stern manner relaxed, and for a moment he looked like a very tired old man whose troubles were almost too heavy to bear. "'I know the sort your cousins are,' he said at length. "'God knows I ain't got where I am by not knowing how to judge men as well as hosses. They're a pack of hungry buzzards, just waiting for me to die so's they can cut this property up among them. If they thought for a second that I was hard of hearing, or of seeing, or anything else, they'd pounce on that as an advantage to them." Bryant's face lighted for a moment. "'I guess shooting Mort like I done will show em that I can still shoot straight when I've a mind to.' Penny couldn't ask, then, if Bryant's eyes were failing. He'd deny it, no matter what the truth. Bryant blew smoke toward the ceiling. "'Only one thing I'm hoping,' he said. "'I've got to see you taken care of.' A rap on the door broke off the conversation. Lonergan, a new man at the ranch, was there. He was much more suave than any of the other employees, and seemed something more than just a cowboy, though he lived in the bunkhouse with the others. "'I've been waiting for you, Lonergan,' said Bryant. "'I'm ready.' Cavendish rose and muttered a word of good night to Penny. Lonergan followed the old man upstairs to the second floor and a moment later Penelope heard the door of a bedroom close. She went outside, hoping the cool breeze of night would blow some of the confusion from her mind. Someone came toward the porch from the direction of the bunkhouse, with a rolling gait. It was Yuma. He doffed his hat when he saw Penny on the porch, and said, "'I was sure hoping you'd be about, Miss Penny.' I hear that you and Uncle Bryant had some words, Yuma." The moonlight showed the serious look on Yuma's face. He nodded. "'That's sort of why I come here. I—I I wanted to speak with you, ma'am. I—uh—will you sit down?' "'Thanks, but I can sort of talk better standing up. I don't know just how to get into what I want to say, but I—' Well, after I shot Mort— You? Eh? said Yuma, in surprise. Did you say you shot Mort? demanded Penny. Sure. I would have drilled him clean if I hadn't been thrown off by your uncle shootin'. That's why I come here. My—my my uncle shot? Then there were two shots? We both fired together, Bryant and me. His rifle bullet just missed me. It drilled my hat here, as you can see." Yuma stuck his finger through a neat hole in his hat. I was fool enough to let Bryant know that I knowed the crooks that was workin' here. He tried to kill me so's I couldn't tell no one. Yuma, that isn't true. Uncle Bryant fired at Mort. He thought he hit Mort. He told me so. Yuma nodded. That's what his story'll be, he said. Only it don't go down with me. 
I come to ask you, Miss Penny, if there ain't some place you can go instead of here. But I don't want to go anywhere else. Furthermore, I don't believe what you said about my uncle. You won't leave, eh? Of course not. This is my home. It'd be downright unsafe here if something happened to Bryant, wouldn't it, ma'am? Penny drew herself up stiffly. "'Aren't you,' she demanded, "'having a lot to say for a cowhand?' "'Maybe so,' the cowboy muttered. "'I'm right sorry.' With that he turned and walked away. Penny sat down on the steps, more bewildered than ever. She felt weak, helpless against the strange confusion of ideas and intrigue, suspicions and apprehensions, in the basin. She stared across the level ground and saw the mouth of Bryant's Gap brilliantly lighted by the moon. End of chapter 9